right. Well, hey, good morning, guys. Hey, if you can do me a favor, if there are seats in the center, can you squeeze in? Because there's people walking in who are standing in the back who are looking for a seat. If we can have a seat that's right on the end that they can just jump on, that would be great. So go ahead and squeeze in. Um, unless you're saving the seat, have that person come sit beside you. Um, <clears throat> but hey, we, we are here for a lot of, unless you're, I think for the majority of you, unless you are from, from Lake High School, sorry Lake, uh, spring break is, is next week. Um, and it's been a long, hard grind. It's been a long, hard grind as we have been pushing towards spring and this last Thursday, there was like hope. There was a glimpse of hope in 70-degree weather. And then we woke up yesterday morning with snow on the ground. And it was like, come on. But I didn't like it either. I didn't like it either. But spring is coming, I promise. This is what we in Ohio refer to as third winter. We had fall spring too that happened. And now we are in third winter. But spring is coming. And the promise of spring is coming for a lot of you as you get a week off. Uh, for spring break. And so I don't know about you, but I, for the first time ever, I am doing a family vacation as a dad. And I'm scared to death. Um, yeah, it is scary. Thank you. Thank you. Um, but hopefully your spring break, whether you're sticking around here or you're heading somewhere else, hopefully it's a good time to re recharge and recover. And if you're from Lake, I hope you enjoy both days that you get off. Um, <laughs> And so here's what I'd love for you to do. Um, if you have a Bible, I hope you do, go ahead and open it up to the, to the gospel according to Luke chapter 18. We're going to go verses 9 through 14 today. Go ahead and open up there. If you don't, I, I encourage you to look off your neighbor. Um, if your neighbor doesn't have a Bible, words will be on the screen. And I know some of you will be behind you. And so um, I would love for you to read along as we jump into Luke chapter 18 this morning. Um, and today's message, the title of today's message is Don't Miss It. Don't Miss It. And so this is what um, Luke is saying about uh, what he has recorded of Jesus' life in a parable that he told, a story that he told. Uh, and so as you flip to Luke chapter 18, verses 9, this is what it says. That he is Jesus. He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Let's pray this morning. Father God, uh, thank you for this morning. God, I thank you for, for the way that you have, that you have gifted us. Um, some um, in voice and some in, in, in instrument and some in art and some in athleticism and some in our ability to um, understand really difficult things and some um, in our way that we love one another. And so, Father, I thank you for the way that you've brought us here this morning to, to take those gifts and to give them back to you, to share them with others so that we can give glory to you. And so my prayer, Father, that as we look into your word, I pray that you would all give us the gift of understanding this morning 
that we would hear your word, that we would see it, that we would experience it, and that we would understand what we need to do to become more like your son. And that's our hope, Father, that, that we see the life of Jesus and we pursue that, and every day we become more like him. And so, Lord, challenge us, call us out, love us as we trust you will. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So like I said, this morning's message is titled, Don't Miss It. And I think a lot of the times, for myself included, I will sit in a service like this or in Pastor Mike's message in the big room, and I listen to the message, and in these moments, I go, oh my goodness, that was so good. I know who needs to hear this message. And sometimes it brings friends to mind or family members to mind or, or that person at school. We're like, man, they need to hear this message. I wish they heard this message. And we're so focused on who needs to hear this message that we're missing out on the opportunity that God is saying, no, 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 son. No, 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 daughter. You, in fact, need to hear this message this morning. And so students, small group leaders, parents, adults, Ryan, listen to this message today. It is for you. Don't go, oh my goodness, thank goodness they're here so that they can hear this. Say, no, thank goodness I am here so that I can hear this, so that I can apply this to my life and I can become more like Jesus. And in the meantime, maybe that person can then focus on themselves as well. And so, no, when you're hearing this message this morning, and when you're hearing every message that comes from God's word, it may be for someone else, but first and foremost, it is for you, so don't miss it. Don't miss it this morning. We can be so focused as we hear God's word going, oh my goodness, my brother needs to hear this. My boyfriend needs to hear this. That guy, that girl, he needs to hear, oh my goodness, thank God that they're here because they need this message this morning. No, we all need it. And so don't miss it. Don't miss it being so focused on someone else that you miss out on what God is speaking into your life this morning. And so as we dive into God's word this morning, this is for you and this is for me. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. It is for you. And God is calling you to something specific through it. And so let's jump back in. Let's jump back in. And so Jesus finds himself um, around a crowd where he's teaching. And it tells us in verse, in verse 9, it says, He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. And so these are the people who walked in and listened to Jesus' teaching, and they found themselves saying, wow, this is a good message for him or for her or for her over there. Oh, my goodness. Thank goodness they're here because this message this morning is for them. Because they counted themselves righteous, they said, I don't deal with these problems. I don't need to apply this to my life because I am good. Like, we get this way sometimes, students. Those of us who have a relationship with Jesus, we get to these moments where we start to see ourselves as more righteous than others who are walking in and through the doors. Like, we find ourselves sitting here and hanging out with our friends, and we catch a glimpse of who works through, and we go, oh my goodness, what are they doing here? Dude, I saw, I heard, I experienced what they were doing last night, and they do not belong here. Like, I know the lifestyle that they're living, and we create this idea that they don't belong because we consider ourselves so righteous. We, as the church, have a problem where we have created walls around the church where we say, you have to be X, Y, and Z to come in here. And that X, Y, and Z isn't living and with breath in their lungs. It's, you have to be righteous as much as me. And we all get here. And that's what Jesus is speaking to, those kinds of people us, if we're honest, 
Our hearts, when we see them, we go, oh my goodness, they do not belong here. And we get there. If we're honest, I've been there, and you've been there as well. And Jesus is speaking specifically to this kind of heart issue. And he gives us this incredible story. He says, two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. And so we've got these two characters. We've got these two characters. We've got a Pharisee who is, who is uh, a Pharisee was a person who knew the law of the Old Testament, and they would pursue it and, and try and perfect every law that was given out. They would follow the law and try and follow it perfectly. And so oftentimes they found themselves in these moments where they go, I'm following what God's telling me to do, and I'm good. And then we have this other character, a tax collector. And, hey, I tell you guys this all the time, but I'm going to continue to tell it. It's, it's amazing sometimes what happens and how the Holy Spirit works. It's not like Pastor Mike and I ever talk about what we're teaching. But it's, if you heard this morning, if you were in there this morning, it gives greater context in that which we cannot fully dive into so that you better understand what's happening in here. And so I've told you this before. Hey, hey, I'm calling you out. If you are not serving at 9 o'clock, you need to, hey, get your butt in the big room. I'm not playing. Like, get in there. It's going to teach you incredible things. Pastor Mike is an incredible teacher. He's a brilliant man. He's also the most humble man that I've ever met. And when he opens up God's word, the spirit uses him in an incredible way that we cannot miss out on. And so if you're sleeping in at night, time to get up. Let's go. I'll, be, I'll meet you up there. Okay? We'll sit together and we can nudge each other when we start to nod off because we got up early. Okay? But be in there and then come here. <clears throat> but we have this tax collector. And, and the tax collectors of the day were the equivalent of the uh, sexual abusers, pedophiles of today. They were scum of the earth. Pastor Mike calls them dirt bags. And so that's what they were, the tax collectors. And so, so Jesus is showing, hey, there's this religious elite who's following the law meticulously. And then there's this, this scumbag, this equivalent to a child pedophile, to a, to a like, heroin drug dealer, like the person who takes advantage of everyone, the person who is absolutely hated. So we have these two characters, a Pharisee and a tax collector. It says in verse 11, the Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, not like extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. And as we look at that prayer, I think sometimes... As we really look, if we're honest with ourselves, we start to see the way that he is praying and the way that he is speaking is the way that our heart sometimes prays, sometimes reflects on ourselves. I mean, we may not use this exact language, thank you, God, that I'm not an extortioner or unjust or an adulterer, but we say, like, thank you, God, that I'm not a partier, or thank you, God, that I'm not having sex with my boyfriend or girlfriend, or thank you, God, that I'm not committing the sins of those people. Like, thank you, God, and we miss out. And that's what this Pharisee finds himself doing. And as he's, as he's praying this, the one thing that's incredibly, that I want you to attract your eye to, is he's constantly pointing to himself. Thank you, God, that I am not like these people. Thank you, God, that I am not like them. And he says, I, over and over and over again. And we see from that that this, this prayer that he offers up 
in reality, probably isn't even a prayer at all. You know, it would have been an acceptable prayer if he would have given God thanks for protection from these things. God, thank you for protecting me from some of the temptations that others fall into. Thank you for protecting me. But no, he goes, thank you that I am making the decision to not be like these people, which in reality, he's glorifying himself. He's not giving authentic and real thanks to God. Some scholars believe that as he's saying these, it's not even a prayer It's just self-recognition of the things that he does that leads to pride. He's just thinking of himself. He's saying, hey, essentially he's saying, hey, God, look at me. Look at the way I'm living. Hey, I'm doing these things, and so I should be exalted over this man who's a sinner. And so some scholars say he's not even praying. He's He's just thinking. He's going, man, I'm so great. Look at me. I'm not falling into the temptations of this man. I'm not like that. Hey, everybody should look at me and say, hey, that's what I want to be like. That's what this Pharisee is doing. And when we really think about it, sometimes, and sometimes more often than others, more often than we'd like to admit, we find ourselves in these moments where we go, and at least I'm not like them. At least I'm not engaging in these things. Man, God, you should be glad you've got someone like me on your team because I'm a great example because we really look into these things, we see that Jesus shares this story and so badly we want to connect to the person who, who Jesus is, is pointing to and say, this is the person who is following me. But oftentimes I think when we really reflect on it, we see the negative example, the non-example we can connect to more than the example of a positive pursuer of Christ. The Pharisee goes on. Like he says, hey, look at me, look at me. And then he goes on, he goes, I fast twice a week and I give tithes on all that I get. And so once again, he's pointing back to the law. He goes, hey, I'm so holy, I'm so righteous that I make the decision to fast. I don't eat or drink anything from sunup till sundown. Hey, not once a year that is common. That was the common practice of the Jewish culture is one time a year they would fast. He says, no, 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 I don't do it once a year. I don't even do it once a week. I do it two times a week to show how righteous I am. I I give up these things to show that I am pursuing God. And all the things that I get, I tithe on them. And so a tithe was the practice that the Jewish people um, were were called to engage in where they would give one-tenth of all that they earned. And so paycheck comes, and we, we still practice this today. We're not mandated. We've talked about that in the past. We're not mandated, but it's a good practice to engage in giving back to the church. And so this man says, hey, it's not just my wages. It's everything that comes into my possession. Not just the things that I earn. Every single thing that I get, I am giving one-tenth of that back to God. Look at me. Look how good I am. Look how righteous I I am. I'm the man, God. You are lucky. I'm on your team, God. And hey, I'm the captain. And we see this Pharisee, and when we read it, we're like, man, I am disgusted with this guy. How, who, how is he? How is he like this? How can he be so prideful? Doesn't he know God is a God of humility? Doesn't he know who God really is? Doesn't he know that God loves the people that he's calling out? And I think we get in this. We, and, and once again, we look so far outside of our own sphere that we go, it's, yep, the Pharisee's the bad guy. 
And I think we're so focused on the Pharisee, on the example that we miss out, that God is saying, hey, sometimes you can be the Pharisee. Sometimes you act this way. You may not outwardly act this way. You may not come to church and say, thank you, God, that I'm not like Samantha. And if your name's Samantha, I apologize. I'm not calling you out. But thank you, God, I'm not like Samantha, who's over there, who did you know what last night. Thank you, God. No, no, no. We do this in our hearts. We hide it. And so let's not become more and more like the Pharisee. Even this morning, let's not go to the Pharisee. Man, he's an evil man, and God's going to get him. What we need to do is go, hold on a second. I think sometimes I'm the Pharisee. What do I need to do in these moments? And then Jesus gives us the flip side. He says, but this tax collector, remember who the tax collector is. He's the scum of the earth. Scum of the earth. He finds himself standing far off. So we see this Pharisee. He walks to the center of the sanctuary so that everybody can see him and that they can hear his prayer. He probably, like, back then, there was probably, like, a dome. I don't know, this, this architecturally. But, like, there's, there's certain places where there's a dome where you speak into it, and it amplifies it. It's like when you don't have a really loud speaker on your phone, and you put a cup underneath it, and it amplifies it and sends it out. That one's free today, uh, for those of you who don't have loudspeakers. But he amplifies. He finds himself, he's, okay, these, the acoustics are perfect here. Thank you, God, that I'm not like this man. So that it attracts attention. And brings attention to himself because he thinks that he's righteous. He is so self-righteous. But the tax collector says he's standing far off. He barely creeps in. He barely creeps in and he finds a, a place off to the side where he won't be seen or heard. Because his, his response is, I just, I know what I've done and I need to spend some time with God. He says, but the tax collector... Standing far off would not even lift his eyes to heaven. And for those of us in here, like if we began to engage with our friends at school, I think the reality is those who are not used to the church, those who do not come to a church, those who are not actively engaged, they look at the church and they go, it is full of Pharisees and this standing far off. I believe that a lot of people want to be here, but they're so convinced that they're going to come here and they're going to be judged and they're going to be, they're going to be met with a bunch of people who are self-righteous. I think there's a lot of people who really want to walk through these doors, but they're so afraid of what they will meet here, not in a judgmental God, but in a judgmental people that they say, I don't want anything to do with it. And I think that wording, he's standing far off. He knows. He knows what kind of people. He sees the Pharisee in the center speaking these things, and he's going, man, this isn't even, like, I'm trying to get right with God. Like, I'm trying to experience what this is. Like, you claim to know who Jesus is, and I want to come and be a part of this, but as soon as I walk through the doors, I get glaring looks, and I get murmurs and talks, and people pointing, and people laughing, and people pulling out their phone and going, yeah, that's, yeah. And they don't even want to step foot in this place. They stand far off. They want to be here to experience who Jesus really is, but they're afraid of us. If we're real. So the, the tax collector standing far off would not even lift his eyes up to heaven. He is finding himself understanding of the sins that he's committed. He's probably embarrassed. He's probably wearing some guilt. And he says this. He says, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. 
He beat his breast and said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And I think this right here shows us like what it looks like to come and to seek forgiveness. And for those of you who are in a relationship with Jesus, you at one point in your life came to this moment where you go, you know what, God, I've realized I cannot do this apart from you. I need you in my life. I need you to take over. Be merciful with me. I'm a sinner. I've been living in the wrong way. And I think sometimes we overcomplicate the gospel, the the love that Jesus has for us. And we say, you have to say these words in these right ways. And and it's this, if you don't say it, no, 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 no. I mean, it's just as simple as this. This is as simple. I believe, it's my belief. And I would love to talk to you if you disagree that this man in this moment is looking to God to save his life. And sometimes receiving Jesus, saying, I'm going to live my life for Jesus is as simple as saying, God, be merciful to me. I'm a sinner. I know I've done it wrong. I know that I'm a sinner. I know what I'm doing is not right with you. Be merciful with me. And there are people There are people all around our community who need Jesus desperately. And we know, I know, I believe that this incredible resource that we have in God's word is going to point them to the truth. And one of the main places where we engage with this and we learn from this is here within the building in which the church meets. But sometimes we create such big walls by the way we treat others, by the way we act like the Pharisee, that it keeps people from ever coming in the doors at all. So Jesus gives us this example of a Pharisee and a tax collector to help us see what our hearts can become, how our judgments can take over, and how it can push people away. Verse 14, he wraps up with this. He says, For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. And he's speaking to that. He says, When we find ourselves in these moments where we're engaging with people, we must humble ourselves. We must realize that we are all dirtbag sinners. We are all scumbags. We constantly classify and quantify our sin and compare it to others when God just looks down and he sees sin. And he goes, hey, every one of us, we're in a position where we deserve hell for eternity. And for those of us who've experienced Jesus and and come to him, we find ourselves redeemed. Not by what we have done. Every good work that comes out of us is the work of the Holy Spirit. And we find ourselves quickly forgetting where we came from. We quickly forget the sins of the past. And Jesus forgets them as well. But what we don't forget to do, what we often, when we forget that, what it leads us to do is to judge others. And we can't be a place that judges others, what we have to do is we have to look back to ourselves and say, man, God showed incredible mercy to me. I know that he can show it to them as well. When we see that person walk in these doors and we go, man, this place isn't for them, it should be, this is the best place for them. Thank you, God, that you brought them in the doors. Now use me to make them feel welcome. I know what they did last night and I am so glad that they're here for it. Like I look forward, if I'm completely honest, I look forward to the day where we have students that walk through this door 
who are visibly hungover. I look forward, if I'm completely honest, I look forward to the day where we have students that walk in reeking like drugs. Because that's the moment where they go, this is a place that will welcome me. I know that I need to be here. And when they come in here, they experience the truth of Jesus. And they are compelled to turn their life to become more like him. And we share our story with them. We say, hey, I was in the same place that you were. But Jesus loved me so much that he forgave me of my sins. He came and he died here so that those people can come to know who Jesus is. I don't care why you walk through the door. What I care about is why you keep walking through it. It's okay to come as you are, but it's not okay to stay that way. And that's the kind of people we have. And so that's everybody. That's our story. That's everyone's story outside of this place. And so what we need to do is we need to go after these people. We need to go after everyone, go after our friends and our family members and our teammates and our classmates and our neighbors and everyone. We need to go after these people and we need to understand that these are the people that we must go after and the people that are hard to go after, that if we bring them in here, what's it gonna say to my reputation? We say, I don't care. It shows them the opportunity to see Jesus. We need to go after the outcasts. We need to go after those who are unwelcome. We need to go after the lost. And as we look to scripture, we see that this is modeled perfectly by Jesus time and time again. Matthew 8, Jesus goes after the leper, the person who no one wanted to encounter. No one wanted to interact with him. They were afraid of him. Jesus goes after him. Matthew 9, he calls Matthew, also known as Levi, who was a tax collector, to be one of his 12. Matthew 19, he says, children, come to me. Children were not, they were not wanted. They were not welcomed. They were not, uh, they were not considered of any value. And Jesus says, yes, you are a value. Let's be honest. There are students walking around our hallways who feel as if they have no value whatsoever. Jesus says, yes, you have value. Come find out how much value you have. You have enough value that I would die for you. We have the opportunity to show them that. Luke 7, there's a sinful woman who's offered forgiveness as she's washing Jesus' feet with her hair. She's crying and she's washing. And Jesus offers the sinful woman forgiveness. Women, once again, they were considered not valuable. Jesus says you are valuable, whether you're sinful, whether you're an outcast, whether you're sick. We've got Luke, uh, we've got Luke 19 that Pastor Mike talked about. Zacchaeus, he was the chief tax collector, like the biggest scumbag of all. John 9, the woman at the well who had multiple husbands. She was a Samaritan, an outcast. She was a woman unvalued, and she was sinful. And Jesus is engaging with her and pulling her in. John 8, the woman caught in adultery. She's thrown out naked and beginning to be stoned, and everyone's holding a stone, getting ready to put her to death. And Jesus says, hey, if you haven't sinned, you can throw the first stone. And Jesus himself is the only one who can authentically throw the first stone. He doesn't. He says, woman, your sins are forgiven. Go and sin no more. He reaches out, and he pulls in the outcast. He pulls in the sick. He pulls in the unwelcome. He pulls in the lost and shows them who he is. That's our model. Don't be like the Pharisee. Be like the tax collector and go seek mercy, but then become like Jesus. Aaron Hay and I give him a hard time because he had a revelation a couple weeks ago. For those of you laughing, you know what I'm about to say, but he had a revelation. He's in a small group that I get to host, and he came up, he goes, Ryan, it just hit me. 
I mean, it was odd. He was excited. He goes, Ryan, just hit me. If everyone in GSM invited one person, we would double in size. <laughs> yes. I said, that's the kind of thinking we need in this place. I mean, that's really what it is. And guys, we have an incredible opportunity coming up over the next four weeks. We have an incredible opportunity coming up over the next four weeks to invite people through You Own It. Starts next week with homeschoolers and the, the lesser represented school collaboration. And then Lake has a weekend, and Lake Center has a weekend, and Green has a weekend. And these are opportunities to say to your friends, hey, come and be a part of this. Hey, if nothing more, use it as a platform for them to show school pride. We can turn it into a competition. We know that the real win comes when people come to know Jesus. And so it's a competition. We all can win. Find that person and invite them. Say, hey, I'm going to come, and I'm going to be there, and I'm going to meet you there. Maybe, maybe you're singing, or maybe you're playing an instrument. Maybe you're speaking, or you have a part. It's just as simple. It's as simple as saying, hey, come and support me. I'm playing guitar, and I'd love if you were there. Hey, I'm going to be sharing my story, and I'd love if you're going to be there. Hey, we want Green to be the winning school, and so come help us do that. And invite these people. Like, invite the people, because here's what it is. There are people outside of here who do not feel welcome, but all they need to do, there are people who sitting here who never, ever gave church a shot, but last year, because of you own it, they said, hey, come, let's just, uh, come here. Let's just check it out. Please come with me. And they came to a place that they may previously have thought, I'm not welcome there. They don't want me. It's full of those people. And they came, and they go, hold on a second. These people are not all focused on themselves. They're focused on someone else. They're focused on Jesus. And those people are sitting here and those people have given their lives to Jesus and some of those people have declared it through baptism. And so, hey, let's take Aaron's advice. Let's all invite one person because here's the cool thing. If that's true, if we doubled in size, imagine what that would speak to the community that we have. If they, here's the thing. Nothing attracts a crowd like a crowd. And if it's a crowd of people who are shouting and cheering and pressing on towards Jesus, then that's a crowd that people go, well, what's going on here? I want to go check that out. Because when we look at it, we're all incredible and wretched sinners. Paul talks about it in 1 Timothy. He goes, of all sinners, he goes, I am the worst. But then there are times where you and I can go, no, 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 hold on a second, Paul. I may have you. But the difference is we found Jesus. And there are a lot of people that we interact with on a daily basis who have no idea who Jesus is, the real Jesus that some of us know. There's no way that they know it because a lot of us are walking out of here acting like Pharisees. Let's be repentant. Let's beat our chest and say, God, be merciful with me. Forgive me. Help me to see my issues. Help me to fix them and help me to become more like you. Guys, don't miss it. Don't miss the opportunity that's in front of us. Don't miss the opportunity that you have to engage with someone who needs to know Jesus. Don't be so self-righteous that you miss it. This one's for us this morning. Let's go do something about it. As we look ahead to You Own It Weekends that leads perfectly into Easter where that's like no better Sunday to invite somebody to see and experience and to remember Jesus overcoming death on our behalf. 
let's do this together. Let's do it. Everybody, one person, you've all got a friend. Let's do that together. Don't miss it, guys. Father God, I thank you for this morning. God, I thank you for your heart and how it pours out for us that we get to experience it in your word. God, I pray that our hearts would not become like that of a Pharisee, Lord, that we would find ourselves so self-righteous, break us down in humility so that we can point back to you and we can say, Jesus has done incredible things in my life so that others can say, if there's hope for them, there has to be hope for me as well. God, thank you. Thank you for what you've done for us. Help us to see where we are going wrong. Help us to stay in our lane and help us to point others to you, not to ourselves. It's in your name we pray. Amen.